comes out of Psalm 84. Is this will be a song that we'll be singing a little bit later coming out of the Psalm 84. Starting in verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Let's continue on, Jason. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Love lifted me, 107. Like nothing 
you to join me to pray to God and to thank Him for all that He does. This song talks about that we stand in awe of Him. In what way do you stand in awe of God? Better is one day.
mountains elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Than thousands elsewhere. up and shares the word is he leadeth me O blessed thought Still tis God's hand 
can sing your praises, that we can lift you up and make much of you. Lord, I pray that as Brother Barry comes at this time, Lord, that you will help us to lay aside all of the things that might distract us from your word and what you want us to learn today. Lord, I pray that you will help us to submit to your word and live it out. Lead us, Lord, as we live out this week. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. It was neat as we were singing through the song one day in your courts and just open up the copy of God's Word and my soul longs, yes, even thanks for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And there we are singing from the sons of Korah. And you, we have looked at this passage of Scripture before and their ancestor, how evil action he had, yet just because an ancestor had evil action didn't mean that those who would follow would have the same and then they would lyric these words out for us and then as we look at them on the wall we actually are looking in the scripture exactly what we're singing and all up in that scripture we're just singing praise to our God and as we were singing other songs just the infinite wisdom of God so many times I've um, and I've heard it mentioned this past week that we like to do the supremacy of man and fit God in the place where we want Him instead of seeing God as supreme and we're under His care. And so as we were singing one of those songs this morning, the lyrics is infinite wisdom that Barry cannot wrap his mind around God. And that's a good thing because I'm not God. Uh, if you would take your copy of God's Word, and look with us in Matthew chapter 22. Some of you are here for the first time since all of this pandemic started. We are glad that you're here. You're pacing yourself and what you're comfortable with. Just want to remind you that we do have a monitor set up in our nursery. That um, if you need a live stream in the nursery, there's one there. Also downstairs in the fellowship hall, there is a 50-inch screen, and you're able to see a live stream as well. And there's physical distancing downstairs. And what's so good about being downstairs is that you have a table. And so you get to prop your elbows on and have your Bible there in front of you. You're able to take notes, and so you're able to space out. I don't know how many are downstairs this morning. I know two earlier. I know we have some outside with the FM transmitter, and every once in a while they'll honk to let us know. Did somebody just honk? I thought maybe one did. That was Elisa. But um, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we get a kick out of that. Um, I can't remember who it was that we presented to the church who had made a profession of faith. And, um, and so the horn started blowing. So we kind of get a kick out of that. We're in Matthew 22. We're picking up on the Tuesday of, of um, Passion Week. And it's during that week that so much is going on during this time that there are some group of people who have set out to be Jesus' enemies. 
and they have loaded questions to bear in order to try and trap Jesus. And this is what's about to happen in Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. That's what they think will happen. But we find throughout this chapter a political question about, about taxes, a doctrinal question about the resurrection, an ethical question about the law, and a personal question about the Messiah. That's all going on here in chapter 22. And we're going to end up in chapter 23 as Jesus gives a lot of warnings to the Pharisees. And before we get there, um, I've heard a statement, and somebody will probably tell me at the end of the service, you're going to look it up and you'll tell me, and that's okay. But there's a statement that I've heard, and I hope I say it correctly. Um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And this is what's happening here in chapter 22. You have enemies that are becoming friends for a common goal to go against the Son of Man. And they are wanting to try to corner him. And, and when they corner him, then, aha, we've got you. We knew we could get you. But they're dealing with the Son of God, the Son of Man. So let's pick up in Matthew chapter 22. Read several verses and we'll come back to the rest in this narrative here of this political question about taxes. In verse 15 of Matthew chapter 22, there's parallel passages in Mark and Luke. But here it is, a Levi. Here is Levi, who was a former tax collector. <laughs> I wonder if he kind of smiled a little bit as he wrote this out. <laughs> but anyway, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent to Jesus their disciples, talking about the Pharisees having their disciples, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not look at their face or regard that person or men, or another way of saying you show no favoritism. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Oh boy. So here it comes. You have a political group and you have this religious group. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so they have gathered forces together. You have this religious group and this political group. The, the, the religious group are the Pharisees. They have sent their cronies. They have sent their disciples who are trying to learn to be Pharisees to Jesus in order to trap him. Now, the Pharisees are a lot like you and I, believe it or not. Let me, let me explain how. They're monotheistic in belief. They believe in the worship of one God. We can go back to the Shema to which the Jews would quote. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, minds, and soul. And so that was the Shema. That was their profession of faith statement. And so they're monotheists, and you're like, I'm, I'm there, I'm there, I'm the same way. 
They had a high regard for the Old Testament, whether it was the law, whether it was the prophets, whether it was the writings. However, they also had a high regard for the oral law, what was passed down from other people before them to them. And, you know, sometimes that can get a little hairy because sometimes you can hold true to more traditions than you do the written word of God. But they held true to the written law, but also to the oral law. They absorbed, observed the proper observance of the Sabbath day. The observance of the Sabbath day started on sundown on Friday, ended on sundown on Saturday. We worship the Lord every day of the week, but there's a special day that we set aside as believers, being the first day of the week, being Resurrection Day, the first day. But any day you hold is true, is good for you. Hold to that with great conscience and great conviction. They also believed in life after death. We do too. There's a heaven and there is a hell. They also believed in the existence of angels and demons. See, do you see on the same wavelength, same idea of thinking as the Pharisees? And also they opposed of paying taxes. So you have this religious group who is joined now with this political group called the Herodians. The Herodians were wealthy, highly, influ highly influential in political matters. They supported Herod Antipas. They loved their country and they loved to support Herod because Herod um, supported their national identity. And so anyone who was part of Herod's family, they were supporting. But they supported the tax. Whereas the religious group, the Pharisees, opposed the tax. So once again, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's not the title of today's message. So you have these groups gathering together. And what was so unique with the Pharisees is that they did not like this poll tax or this head tax that is talked about here in verse 17. It's where we get our English word census from. So every year, if you lived there in the Roman Empire and you were a Jewish, then you had to pay a poll tax or a head tax. And what you would do, you would take a denarius, which was a coin for one day's wages, and you would take that coin by which an agricultural laborer was paid, and you would take that day's wage, and that would be your head tax or your poll tax or your census tax for that year. Okay, so what's the big deal? Or on that denarius was a picture and the image of Caesar, Caesar. It was a picture of him to whom people looked upon as this pagan emperor, but also by the pagans thought of as a guide. So if you're monotheistic in your belief, and there's only one God, there is no other God. As it says in Isaiah, there is no God before him, nor beside him. God will not share his glory with another. This is what we profess as Jewish people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that's what they held to. And they didn't want to pay this particular tax. And they were opposed to it. And so if Jesus opposed the tax, Jesus would be in trouble with Rome. You're trying to overthrow our government. You're trying to overthrow the Roman Empire because you don't believe in paying taxes. However, if he approved the tax, 
then Jesus would be in trouble with the Jewish people. We got you in a corner. We've got you, Jesus. There's just no way. Either you're for Rome or you're going against the Jews. What is it going to be? That's what their thinking was be. And then they came up to Jesus. I know none of you have ever buttered up the conversation. And talking with someone I have, I kind of buttered up a little bit, knowing if there's going to be something tough coming a little bit later. I'm not trying to be mean or just trying to be deceptive. Now, these were. Because they came to Jesus, this political and this religious group. And look how they, how they speak to him in verse 16. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Teacher or Rabbi, we know that you are true and we know that you know the way of God is the truth and you're about um, not about anyone you, you um, or show no favoritism. Can you see how they are trying to flavor this, flatter this up? And if that was all the case, if they knew he was the rabbi and the teacher, and they knew he didn't show partiality with people, and his ways were that of true with God, then why weren't they his disciples? Jesus recognized their wickedness. He recognized their deception. And Matthew pins this farce. So look with me in the verses that come along with it. In verse 18, after they have asked the question, Jesus responds with, an, with this response and with instructions. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? <laughs> Don't you just love Jesus that, you know, hey guys, quit flattering it up. Um, you're just play acting. You're just nothing more than a hypocrite. That's what he calls them. Then he goes on and gives the instructions in verse 19. He says, show me the tax money. So they brought him this day's wage that they would pay to an agricultural laborer, this day's wage. Bring it to him. He said to them, whose image and inscription is this? Now, we'll, we'll wait a minute. You're supposed to be answering the question, not giving the questions. And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Pay therefore, or render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Jesus wasn't in a corner, he wasn't trapped. He's the very Son of God. He is the one that we sang about has the infinite wisdom. The one who can see the very intents of the heart. And when they heard these words, they marveled and left Him and went their way. Probably kicking the dirt, wondering why they couldn't just corner Him with all of this, and yet they could not. I was listening to Robbie Zacharias, who's now around the throne of heaven, enjoying his presence with the Eternal Father. If you ever, ever get a chance to listen to Robbie Zacharias, please do. Barry's like, if this is foundational dirt, you know, planet Earth, this is my intelligence level. Robbie Zacharias is like way up here. So I'm always having to jump to where he is and intellectually what he understands spiritually. He was talking about this passage on the radio some time ago, and I don't know if it was at a passion conference or he was referring back to something that um, when he was teaching at a passion conference in Atlanta, but he brought up this narrative. 
And he says in, about this narrative, he says, I wish Jesus had a follow-up question. And I immediately went to deer in the headlight look. You say, what? But it's implied. And he said, this is a question I wish Jesus would have asked and follow up, but it is implied. And the question would be, whose image is on you? As he speaks to this political group and he speaks to this religious group and it's all about this political question about taxes and whose image it belongs to, but you're looking at a coin that has a temporary image of a political ruler who will one day die and stand before God in judgment. And then you have this one who is eternal whose image you and I bear. Every person who has ever been born or will be born carries the image of God. I know Martha is sitting over here and she and I have, we, we joke, but it's not a joking way. It's a laughter, it's type of intensity of I can't wait to all this to be over because you got Levi, you got Alasia, and you got Fulton, and then you got Ella Grace, you got all these children that we want to bring into the nursery after all this pandemic is over with so that Martha and Brenda can rock them to sleep repeatedly. And then when Alton called the other day as I was making my way up to North Mississippi, well, we got a 2.2 pound screaming, yelling baby boy. And when you bring, when you walk that through, that God knew their DNA before they came out of the womb. God knew their fingerprints before they would even have their fingerprints made. He knew what their color of eyes would be. He knew the color of the hair that they would have any after being born and eventually they would have hair. God knew all of that. He knew about us, our inward parts, long before we were even physically born. So we come back to that question that Ravi Zacharias gives is whose image is on you? I want to look at the Creator. And I want us to look back at Genesis chapter 1. You can write this down or you can turn with me. Lord, thank you. I'm there right now. Um, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and 27. And we'll pick up, well, we'll just start in verse 26. Dealing with the Creator. Then God said, let us, talking about the Holy Trinity, Make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I want you to listen to verse 27, how many times the word created is mentioned. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, we're sitting here in pews. We've grown up here in a Southern Baptist church. Most of us have. I did not. But I recognized from a very early age that God was my creator. Three times in this passage of Scripture, the word created is used. And when this word created is used, it's talking about the involvement of origin in humanity. 
that God took the dust of the earth and he made man, then he made woman from the side of the man by his rib. He made them male and female. He is creator. And he created us in his image. I like how one biblical scholar states about what, are the, what, it, what does it mean to be made in God's image. It is to have intelligence, self-consciousness, reasoning, moral nature, emotions, and a will. Now even, those, even though this has been marred from the fall, we still bear his image even after the fall. Because in Genesis chapter 9, it says in verse 6, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. So we go back to a historical proven document that is way more than that, that has a covenant of Old Testament, New Testament, Testament and covenant, by which we have the revelation of God that is progressively given to mankind, and the words that God gives to man. We take this on faith. So God created man. This says over in James chapter 3, verse 9, with it, talking about the tongue, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. We have been made in the image or in the likeness of God. I like how my pastor buddy says this. We'll get into the Spirit and begin praying. I mean, in the Spirit means just under God's care, under God's umbrella, under God's sovereign rule. And we'll head towards our way and we'll start praying until somebody pulls out in front of us and goes slow. We go immediately from praying to and pointing our index finger and then swooping around them. And just one moment... In one moment, we have gone to praising God and getting mad with mankind that is made in His image. That is our Creator. And since God is life and He is the Creator of human life, um, I like listening to Ravi Zacharias, Vaudi Bakum, and Vaudi said, we've got a lot of people out there who are stealing from God. Stealing the very air that he gives, and they're breathing it, but they can't give it back. But they're taking it and robbing him because they refuse to honor him. They refuse to give him gratitude and honor and thanks as being God. He is our creator. So we honor all of life. Whether it's to the north, to the border of the Great Lakes, down to the Gulf of Mexico, it's to the rising of the sun, the setting sun from the um, Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean, or what, regardless of what continent a person is on, we are to honor human life. We're also to value human life. We are to protect human life. We are to preserve human life. And I'll go ahead and add this out of Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11. Deliver those who are drawn towards death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. So next time you're out and about and in the moment that you're in, you get in the flesh and then you begin to put down another individual, just remember they're still made in the image of God. God is their creator. May not be their father, 
but he is their creator. That kind of gives you a whole different mindset of how believers are to anticipate and speaking to and looking upon and engaging in conversation with other people. We take on that person where they are. Now, with all the riots and looting going on, Romans chapter 13 deals with that. Lawmakers are to uphold the law by which the country is given because no other law is given to that which is of God. They're under the law of God. They're to protect humanity. If they're not protecting humanity, then get out of office. That is what they're supposed to be doing. Honoring life, protecting life, not destroying life. That's why we have law enforcement. That's why we have people that carry the weapon that what Scripture says. They are to use it to those who do evil, not good, based on the Scripture of God's Word. But then there's a Redeemer. This is another game changer. Because you'll hear people say, oh, we're all part of God's children. And I don't know about you, but I do that. You may just go, Woo! or you may do a... Mo, Larry, Curly, I don't know. But we're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. And I guess if you want to use God's children, you can. But I'm looking at it from a parental standpoint as God as Father. And the only way that can come about is through the Redeemer, the one who had the substitutionary death, the one who took our sin, took all of mankind's sin, going back all the way to Adam and going forward to pay for all of mankind's sin. And those who come to Him are going to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, that the truest image of God is Christ Himself because He is God. And he is the exact representation of the Father in what? Human form. We find in Christ that He perfectly mirrored the Father because of He had God's attributes, He fulfilled God's will, and He enjoyed a perfect relationship with the Father. The church is the body of Christ and the fullness of Christ who fills all and is in all. It tells us about this Redeemer in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we'll quote this verse, but there's a part to it as well. It says, He has predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. So every temptation we go through, every trial we go through, is to conform us into the likeness of Christ. So God is creator of every human being that has ever come forth from their mother's womb. Whether it's in the past, whether it is today or in the future, God is the creator. And Christ is the Redeemer, and we are being transformed into His image. I have to turn the page to chapter 23 of Matthew. And as Jesus gives these warnings, He gives a bunch of them about, whoa. And you can go back and look at these later on today. But I'm going to throw out some by which Jesus warned about these Pharisees. He warned because... They were wanting the best seats in the house. They were more concerned about power and prestige. They were greedy for money. 
They neglected justice, mercy, and faith. And they were more concerned about the outward look than they were what was inside inwardly and spiritually. You and I can become selfish, malicious, slanderous, and dishonorable. And that's not the image of God, nor is that being transformed into the likeness of Christ. This should be a turning point in our biblical thinking as we look at mankind to realize that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, against evil that resides in an individual. Now, we are to protect human life. We are to preserve human life. I am a shepherd, I'm, whether of a church family or my own family, and I'm going to protect them at all costs. My shepherd gave his life for the church. Here's the question to the title of the message. Whose image do you bear? It should be twofold. Creator and Redeemer. If you only recognize Him as Creator, then you need to take a farther step. And that step farther is by faith in Christ who died for your sin so that you could be set free and live in freedom in Christ. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes. It's been a good morning. I can't wait till we are able at some point in the future to get back to our small groups, to be able to gather together, to be able to go visit people that are not out in public, just in their homes. To be able to do that but for right now as we sit in rows as we sit out in our vehicles in the parking lot as we sit downstairs with our elbows on the table and that's perfectly okay in this setting for those who will possibly listen to this or watch later on whose image do you bear if you're dishonorable and evil and mean towards another human being, you're not honoring God. You have not given Him gratitude. You have not honored Him as God. You're applauding evil of those who do evil around you is what it says in Romans chapter 1. And God has provided you passive judgment. He is allowing you to eat it up into more and more lawlessness. The one thing that you desire is the one thing you run from, and that is His love. For those who experience the love of God, do so through Christ. It's been said, how much did Jesus love you? Well, he stretched his arms out and had them nailed to the cross. It was that much. As we said before, there are people who carry a weapon for a reason that has been set up by God. Is Christ your Redeemer? 
do you recognize that he paid your sin debt and will wipe it clean if you would just ask him to forgive you and repent and then it comes back to this question whose image do we bear as believers we bear his image as creator and as redeemer we must live that out as believers. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. A day to honor you, a day to worship you, a day that you would be exalted, a day in which you would be blessed. That we would speak well of you, for you're worthy of that. And Lord, we long for the day when we kiss this world goodbye and step in all eternity into your presence and enjoy you for all eternity. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you need to talk with one, anyone, is there any believers in the building? You've had people to raise their hand. If not, I'm not the only one you can talk to. There's others that would love to talk with you, pray with you, and help take some of the burden off of you. And so in a moment... Um, I believe we are going to sing a song, aren't we? We are. And whenever we get through, we ask the back road that you would dismiss first. Um, the offering plates are in the vestibule to your right as you exit. And if you want to place your tithes and offerings in there, you can. How is Hunter doing? We heard, we mentioned him earlier. Um, we're praying for Hunter for his, as he recoups. Be careful, Hayden. People around you breaking bones, brother. And we, we laugh, but truly I broke both my arms at the same time. No pain. But Hunter at one time had braces and had to have his jaw tightened at times, didn't he? We're praying for him. The church is praying for y'all. know that uh, Marie is here as well. And how is Levi doing? There you go. And Miss Castile as it goes. Is that correct? There you go. All right. And um, I know there's other... Please forgive me if I get, forget, forget anyone. I'm a male. I'm married. Uh, you know, I'm prone to those things. And so at this time, Jason, brother, if you would come and continue to lead us. I'd also like to remind everybody that we do have uh, services tonight at 6 o'clock. We will have some songs that we sing in worship. And Brother Barry uh, preaches, and uh, the preaching's a little bit different. It's more of what you would kind of expect for a Sunday school class, where we get in and you can ask questions and, and kind of share some of your thoughts as well. And, and I would encourage you to join us for that as well, 6 o'clock. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. We're going to sing the closing chorus of He Leadeth Me. Mm -hmm. 